Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThink SciComm. My name is Rob Mathias and I'm president and CEO of ISMAP. The need for plain language summaries to inform non-specialist audiences has been communicated for years, yet questions surrounding the who, what, when, where are largely unanswered. As data curators and communication specialists, our profession is an ideal position to establish best practices to ensure plain language summaries become an everyday part of communication planning. To help describe best practices of plain language summaries, we're here today with Jason Gardner, Head of Scientific Services at CMC Connect, a McCann Health Medical Communications organization. Jason sits on the McCann Health Global Scientific Council, which aims to make a meaningful difference in areas of need in medical science. Jason is also a member of the MAP Working Group. All right, so welcome, Jason. I'm hoping today we can talk a little bit about the uh, the importance of PLS with our ISMAP members. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the growing importance of plain language summaries in today's environment. Thanks, Rob. So what we're talking about here, of course, is publication plain language summaries, just to establish that definition, because terminology is so important in this field right now. If we get it wrong, then we're creating ambiguity and confusion and goodness knows what else happens. So secondly, to actually establish, as you say, the importance of PLS as a, as a thing, I think it's just really important to extend the reach the impact of our publications to provide the readers with a clear non-technical overview of medical and scientific literature and there's so much information out there in the public domain how can we really digest it all i think there's an increasing importance to clarify to present our science in a way that's clear that can be understood is engaging and ideally piques your interest to read more so what we need is this easy to digest, this bite-sized snackable content that synthesizes what we need to know. So it's, PLS is a really exciting way to increase the value and the reach of our research. Yeah. You know, Jason, I heard you use the word digest twice there, and I think it's, it's a really uh, applicable term when we think about medical science, communications, research. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that when you say digest? So you look at the existing scientific literature, it's packed with complex terminology, both in the text and in the figures and in the tables. It's really difficult to be able to assimilate all of that information and really get the take-home message that's going to impact on your life as a healthcare professional or a non-specialist or indeed a patient or a carer. Audiences that are becoming more and more important in the decision-making process when it comes to healthcare. So I really think there's a, a need to distill the essence of our scientific literature in a clear and understandable way. Pharmaceutical companies put a massive investment in clinical studies. If we put so much information out there and it's not getting read, then it's a wasted investment. So it's our responsibility, as I think, as communicators to be able to distill that, to make it digestible so it has impact 
it has longevity and it makes a difference to people's lives. Furthermore, avoiding misinterpretation. When it comes to science and medicine, fake news is everywhere, whether it's intended or not, and, and can obviously be dangerous to, to people's health. Plain language summaries is another way to avoid that. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jason, but what I hear you saying is that at the outset, you know, research itself might not be readily uh, understandable by some of our tar- target audiences. And in some ways, it makes sense that as publication, medical communication professionals, we almost have a responsibility to think about the end user and how they're going to interpret the data and understand it. Would you say that plain language summaries, although probably maybe initially targeted for patients, as really has a wider or broader target audience now as we think about it across healthcare decision makers? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Any, my opinion is that plain language summaries is an opportunity for us to reach anyone that's seeking information on medical research. We know that patients are actively seeking information. Um, I know from a, a recent survey that I saw from 3M, I think it was like 14,000 people in the US were saying that scientists should be sharing their results in an easy and understandable language. So there's a clear need there. Then, as I said, you've got the media who misinterpret scientific research sometimes and therefore cascade the wrong messages to patients and carers in the lay audience. And then, of course, you've got the healthcare professionals, both specialists and non-specialist healthcare professionals who are time poor. They can't go and (laughs) read reams of complex text. They just don't have time. We want them to be treating patients. So to have a facility for them to assimilate that information clearly, quickly, and in an engaging way, that's going to enhance their ability to apply that knowledge to their scientific learning. That's got to be beneficial for patients in general. Yeah, I think that um, originally you, you would use that word bite-sized content, and it's interesting because I think it really does get us to that idea that everyone, not just patients, everyone is really in a position where they just don't have time and they really need to have things broken down for them in a way that's readily understandable and where they can readily apply it to patient care. And that's the whole trick, isn't it? It's a real skill, I think, for us to be able to develop plain language summaries appropriately in order to capture all audiences. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting idea. And, and certainly one, I'm going to pick your brain in a little bit about some of those best practices. So uh, before we get there, let me, let me just ask you, you know, maybe controversially a bit, but, you know, when I talk to folks, sometimes they say to me, well, you know, the journals are for the healthcare decision makers, it's for the health practitioners, and Reader's Digest and other lay uh, magazines are for the patients and everyone else. You know, what are your thoughts? I mean, should we really be trying as medical publication professionals to develop content for both physicians and also the lay audience? Has our world evolved that that's, that's now our role? From my perspective, yes. And it's ironic, isn't it, that we've got publication plain language summaries that are supposed to be providing clarity to the readers, and yet we still lack the clarity on how appropriate they are. <laughs> so, and that's the problem. I think that there's no universal industry guidance on what we should be doing. And likewise, there's nothing really to say that we shouldn't be doing it. So yeah, to pick up on your point, historically, scientific exchange is a peer-to-peer activity. It's undertaken through medical journals and congresses between medical experts. 
medical education to patients and non-healthcare professionals, it was and still is a very regulated environment that's occurring between HCPs and non-HCPs. So I can completely understand why there's caution about plain language summaries being used for non-healthcare professional audiences. However, given the concept of patient partnership and patient centricity that has been discussed for years now and the benefits that that can bring to clinical drug development in clinical practice, from a societal point of view, the exchange of knowledge between HCPs and non-HCPs is critical and is ultimately going to result in best treatment outcomes. So I think PLS is a vehicle to enable this and we do have to move forwards to that kind of model. Well, it's, it's an interesting comment that you make because if what you're saying is correct, and, and I do believe there, it, it is quite accurate, it really does speak to the evolving role of a medical communication professional who at one point in time maybe was responsible for just getting something published in a journal and now today, and this is really a theme of this entire series, really is responsible for thinking about what the end user needs. What is the, uh, the person who's going to read that particular paper or the translation of that paper? So I think really, really good points. I appreciate that. You know, when we think about scientific exchange and this idea that there really isn't a universal guidance available to us and no way that publication, medical communication professionals can think consistently about how to develop these, um, these new uh, types of activities. Where do you think we can get this guidance? Uh, what can we do about that? So it's super important that we have universal clarity. Without that, it's a barrier to plain language summary adoption. I think it's for organizations like ISMAP, actually, to help steer the industry towards best practices in plain language summary. What I hope is that PLS will feature in the forthcoming GPP-4 guidelines. And in parallel with that, we're also driving an initiative with ISMAP to understand different stakeholder groups' perspectives on PLS. We're hoping that this will be a collection of opinions that we can publish, providing a citable reference that could be used to support the PLS section within GPP-4 and any other relevant guidelines. And having that established, that would be super helpful for everybody to get aligned behind. I agree with you. I think there's, um, there's certainly a lack of guidance and certainly a certain level of responsibility for, for ISMAP in particular as a professional society to think about ways in which we can bring some of that guidance out to our members and to our fellow publication professionals. So very, very good points there. You know, speaking along those lines, what are, I mean, if we're going to go down this route and we're going to become true medical communication professionals and develop materials that are available for many different audiences, in the realm of PLS, what are some of the best practices that you think are in place, whether it be reading level or visuals and so on, to help us get us there? Right. Firstly, it's, it's deciding what the best format is, and there's many different options. We've looked into research for text versus infographics, we also know that audio and video plain language summaries can be very effective. And uh, I've seen research that see, shown that videos are preferred, actually. But the choice on format is largely driven by the journal guidelines, of course, where there are any. For text, lengths range from 60 words to up to 850 words. And the structure of the infographics may be very different. So it's real broad playing field that we're talking about here. As I said, we've done some research ourselves and found that for reading age, when we looked at three different indications and queried 
patients and carers in those indications. Firstly, they had a clear preference for infographic plain language summaries over text. And for text plain language summaries, the preferred complexity was for a reading age of between 14 and 17 years, equivalent of US 9th to 11th grade, which is higher than what's recommended with clinical trial summaries. And to my mind, represents the demographic of people who are seeking information on science and medicine. And that, I know, is higher than is recommended by others who develop plain language summaries. But it is consistent with media science communication. So, Jason, blanket statement, is visual, do you think, better than, than written language when it comes to plain language summaries? I think it depends how complex you go. Plain language summaries that we produced to compare against the text, they were quite extensive. They were not sort of a standard letter slide size. They um, were probably multiple slides in order to tell the story to the same extent that the text does. So from that respect, they were more complex than I've seen elsewhere. When doing that, they were very well received. But of course, that comes with the um, added issue that they will be more costly and more, probably more difficult to produce. So text is certainly easier. And it's an interesting point because as you know, publication or medical communication professionals are embarking on this journey to transition from just a journal article to doing something that's more comprehensive or more tailored for the target audience, there certainly are elements of, of cost and considering the, uh, the audience itself. So I think you bring up very good points. You know, I, I can't help but wonder if you think about some of the clients that you work with or some of the publication professionals that you come in contact with and what's happening on the industry side, where are you finding these are being developed? Are they more in the clinical teams, more with the medcom side? Is there new departments growing? Like, how are you seeing this come to fruition with your colleagues? Mainly with publication teams. And I think that's an essential component of delivering plain language summaries appropriately. I believe that they need to be integral and part of the manuscript developed under the guidance of the authors, ideally submitted at the same time as the manuscript, peer-reviewed and approved by the journal and made available as part of the manuscript as, a, as, a, as an enhanced content. That, I think, gives that level of robust peer-reviewed approval that makes it part of an appropriate scientific exchange. Let me challenge you a little bit there. So I know our medcom professionals are very good at journals and scientific writing and, and certainly can, uh, can produce good peer-reviewed publications. Do you think they're well-positioned to write for, let's say, patients and, and to write at the level of translation that they need to see? It's a mindset switch. You know, uh, uh, teams both in the client setting and, you know, the authors themselves and our writers are, have been brought up writing technical language for manuscript content. It is a different skill that requires the training, but it also generates real enthusiasm and motivation because it's getting people a step closer towards the patient, whether it's the medcoms companies, whether it's the clinical team in the pharmaceutical company or the authors themselves, I'd recommend they all undergo appropriate training. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think we're not, um, most of us don't have the pedigree automatic to, uh, to just put pen to paper and start writing for patients because it's a certain level. We use the word translation 
quite a bit, but to get people ready to be able to write for a lay patient audience is, is definitely a different skill set. I want to ask you one more area of, of uh, questioning, and this is, so let's say that we've got a perfect world and we've got a beautifully written plain language summary, and we have it developed and it's graphically appropriate and it's all ready to go. One of the things I hear from our colleagues is we don't know what to do with it. So who do you think is the, uh, is, is the storage place or where is the storage place for these things? Do they, is it the responsibility of the journal? Is it the, the pharma company, the academic institution? What the heck do we do with these things? I think it's the responsibility of the journal and the publisher. You know, as I said, if if the plain language summary is integral to the manuscripts, then that becomes transferred to the journal and the publisher, and it's their responsibility for making it available. But it is a big issue, isn't it? And it relates to discoverability of plain language summaries. And without having that discoverability, because it's currently not really clear where they live and how you can find them, it questions the in return on the investment that you obtain from undertaking these plain language summaries. And that can be substantial if you're going to apply that across your whole publication plan. You need to be confident that your PLS audiences can actually find them. We know that some PLS text is actually contained within the abstract that's sent to PubMed. And that's brilliant. You can automatically discover it on PubMed. Wonderful. So I've seen others where the abstract states that a PLS is available, but then when you in PubMed, and then you have to click through to the host journal to actually find it, which is probably what the publisher wants, but it's not so clear that you have to do that unless you're in the know, and that's a barrier to its discovery. You can now see thumbnail images of figures in PubMed, which is brilliant because if you could then make your PLS a figure and assuming that it's open access, which is, and again, another barrier um, for those journals that are not, then you could see your PLS as a thumbnail. You could click on it and straight away, there it is, wonderful. But there's inconsistency in, in how publishers are making plain language summaries available. There's inconsistency in the use of metadata for that's submitted to PubMed with a published article. So sometimes it's clearly flagged as being a plain language summary there, other times it's not. So there's a level of education and, and consistency that needs to happen across the publishers, I think. Well, I agree with you. You know, and, and Jason, this has been a really engaging discussion. I, I appreciate your thoughts. You know, if I hear you correctly, what I hear you saying to our listeners is, you know, in a lot of ways, there has really been an evolution of our profession in many ways. There's been an evolution in terms of the responsibility that we have in terms of being able to produce materials that are digestible, to use your word, ready to use by uh, maybe a lay patient audience, but even by physicians or other healthcare decision makers as they think about how to best treat patients. I also hear you saying interesting things about some of those best practices. Our publication professionals nowadays are, you know, where we played in the world of just text and peer review publications now have to become to some degree experts in, in how we visualize our data, how we give it more meaning and how we bring it to life and make it so that it's understandable by people who maybe don't have scientific training or don't have time to figure out what that article says in its entirety. Really, really a different type of world for the people that we work with and our colleagues working in medical communications. And then finally, you know, in a lot of ways, now we also have to think about whether or not people can find the information 
Whereas before we would publish it and leave it on the, the journals to have good circulation and impact factor. And now I hear you saying things to me like, well, are these things going to be discoverable? It's just language that 15 years ago, five years ago for that matter, we would have never discussed. So a really interesting discussion. I want to thank you for the time today. I want to um, thank you for giving us your insights and appreciate the good thoughts on plain language summaries as, uh, as we bring it out to our listeners. You're very welcome, Rob. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Informed for Medical Communication Professionals. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Inform your colleagues and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you'll also join us at an upcoming ISMAP University webinar or even consider becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org, that's I-S-M-P-P.org to learn more. I'm Rob Mathias. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Leo Longbreak, and our audio engineer, Eric Colnell.